everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. Today we are going to cover Season 1, Episode 9, Dagger of the Mind, original air date, November 3rd, 1966. I am Brandon, and here as always with Paul. Yo, yo, what up, people? I'm here again, ready to talk. Uh, let's nerd out. And we still got Dan. How's it going? All right. So this episode opens up with a shot of the Enterprise orbiting a ringed planet now. So we get our first uh, ringed planet in the series. Which looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I think that was probably the uh, the CGI for like the remastered version. Because I think, didn't I send you like a picture of what how the old one was before they remastered it? And it was like, we had, there was like a red planet and it just looked like basically a big red ball. Yeah. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll have to send that to you too, Paul. Oh, they updated the CGI for this particular like little part, one second part. Oh, okay. I thought yeah, it looked, I, uh, thought it looked, I thought it looked good for I I kind of I just noticed it looked good. Kind of moved on. Yeah, the remastered version. It's all CGI, and uh, the old one was all model work, which I really liked the model that they used. But like the the planets that I saw were it was seriously just like a big red ball with like a little white spot on the top for like the polar caps. Like it was kind of ah, bad. Okay. Yeah. But we get uh, a close-up of a big container labeled uh, Caution in- Infrasensory Drugs. And uh, the container's got a destination of the Tantalus Penal Colony. Uh, attention to Dr. Tristan Adams. And at first I thought it was just like a little medicine container. But then like some guy comes and grabs it and puts it on the uh, transporter. And oh, you it was huge. Zoomed in real close to a medicine container? Yeah, you know, yeah dude. It was huge. You comment. put a person in there. Random comment. The word penile colony makes me laugh every time I hear it. In anything, because I'm like the word penile itself is just funny. I'm like penile quality. Oh, and once I saw once I saw this on screen though, by the way, I thought, oh great, a prison break. Like my, my yeah. I said, oh probably prison break thing. I started predicting the whole show immediately. I was like, oh prison show, something's going on. I thought you were gonna say you thought it was gonna be like an episode about penises or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we we'll do that in the future. Maybe a penis one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, a guy uh, loads the container and some other boxes into the transporter and uh, a couple of the techs are, you know, trying to get things uh, transported and they're having a little bit of trouble with the transporter. And where is, where's Scotty been? He's been gone for like three or four episodes now. You know, they probably get vacation days, so maybe he's just taking a few days off right now. Yeah, I think he's actually been gone since the, the virus outbreak, hasn't he? Like, have we seen him since then? You know, actually not, he was around for sure. Mud's Women. Yeah, it's been about I, honestly, two, three episodes at this point. Honestly, yeah. a couple of the minor characters, you notice we don't see them much. Like even the yeah. mid-level minor character, we'll see them for a little bit here and there. And then they're gone for a bunch of episodes. Then one episode, they're like one of the main characters again. And then another episode, we don't see them again. So it's one, it's pretty interesting how they do their characters in, in the show. Yeah. Yeah, but I would think like every time they do anything in the transporter room, like that's an excuse to have Scotty though, right? Like, isn't that kind of his job? Yeah, but I think the the idea here, because we know two seconds later, when he messes up the transportation, uh, when he messes it up, it shows you that the shield the shield exists. Right. So you uh, you might have to have somebody who doesn't because we can't we're not gonna believe Scotty doesn't know that. Yeah, that's true. You know, so maybe actually, like, that's a really good point. Oh yeah. Oh, there's a new guy here that will that will oh, we, we'll show we'll teach the people watching. Hey, the shield is up. We'll let them know that this exists, so it's part of the... You kind of learn it by itself. Yeah, I think... Actually, that's a really good point, that they use it as a, a plot device to to convey some information. I didn't even think about that. Yep. Yeah. 
so yeah, the, the the tech you know tries to get stuff moving, and he's having some trouble. And uh, Captain Kirk enters the room, and he's like, "Hey, you guys having some trouble?" And the dude's like, "Yeah, I don't understand why you know the transport is not working." And Kirk says to remember that they're beaming supplies to a penal colony. And the tech's like, "Oh man, that's right. There's a, a security force field there." And so uh, Kirk calls down to uh, request that they open the force field. And uh, they beam down the supplies, and Kirk asks if there's any incoming cargo, and the tech says that there's some uh, research materials being set up that are bound for the Central Bureau of Penology. I didn't know penology was a word, which I guess is like a, probably a study of like penile system or something. <laughs> yeah, a study of peniles, I guess. Yeah, something like that. I do want to clarify, since I'm the fashion guy here, I don't want to specify something. Okay, so there's three three guys. You know, you got Kurt and the two engineer guys. The one engineer guys has on like this Komodo type like yeah uh, thing. Is that the first time we've seen this for the no, people in engineering, um, or is that, is that a normal? Th- I don't remember seeing this particular style. Maybe it happened before. And I didn't notice it. Or is that normal? I think we've seen them in other colors in like the maintenance crew. I think uh, most of the maintenance crew wear a blue version of that. It seems to be like it looks like a kind of really thin material, almost like it's a disposable like work uh, uniform of some sort. It's just, but we, it's, we've definitely seen it before. Okay, it's just weird to me that it's like a. It almost looks like a, I don't know what, like Hugh Hefner like pajama thing that you throw over and just throw butter on it. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So they get a a message that the cargo is ready to beam up, and then they they beam it on board. Uh, so Kirk head towards the door, and he stops and suggests to the technician uh, Berkeley that he should refamiliarize himself with the penal colony procedures. And I'm just like, dude, what an asshole! Like. The guy already knew that he messed up and that he's probably not going to make that mistake again, right? We've all been in that situation where, like, you just kind of screw something up in front of a boss and then, like, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd never make that mistake again. But Kirk just has to stop and let him know that he screwed up on his way out. Yeah, like, but I, I guess think just the kind, Kirk kind of says a, a it, though, he doesn't say it with, like, what, like, one of our bosses would say it, so it make us feel like crap. You know, he said, hey, man, maybe we should go ahead and re- review the whole, the whole procedure. Like, he was kind of... I thought he was just being smug. Yeah, yeah I, I thought th- he was thought, smug thought, about thought, it. Oh, I thought he been. I thought he was being kind of a, a smart ass, but kind of jokingly, like his the way his. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't explain yeah. it. Well, I, I felt like he was being smug about it because, like, hey, what's taking so long? We, you know, we got shit to do. Yeah, kind of a, like you should know this already, kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, that's I how I kind of maybe, maybe, maybe I heard. Maybe I took it the wrong way. That, that's on me then. Uh, Kirk exits the room, and uh, Berkeley goes to get a vault assignment for the box of records. And the last remaining technician grabs his little data tablet and he turns away from the transporter to look at like a data panel on the wall. And he's just like writing stuff down and like obviously pretending because he looks like it's it's very hard, I'm sure, to just pretend you're writing stuff down and it looks awful. <laughs> but uh, while he's doing that, the box lid slowly starts to open and a guy in an oxygen mask uh, kind of peeks through the opening and he slowly climbs out of the box and approaches the technician from behind and just knocks him out judo and then he makes chop. a run for the door. Yeah. gives him a little, like just straight judo chop right in the, the back of the neck. That that guy went down pretty easily from one hit too, mind you. Yeah. It's like that TV movie show. Uh, like I need this guy gone real quick. Yeah. Just a real quick, uh, chop in the back of the neck. will do it. So he, uh, he runs to the door and there are too many people out in the corridor and he comes back into the room and starts looking like towards the technician that he had just knocked out. And then, uh, we, you know, it fades into the show's intro. So we come back from the intro and there's a really quick captain's log, just kind of detailing the cargo exchange. 
And Kirk and McCoy are just chilling on the bridge where Kirk is talking about how he would like to meet Dr. Adams, which is the guy from the, the medicine label. And he asks Bones if he's ever been to a penal colony. And McCoy's like, well, you know, a cage is a cage. And Kirk is like, well, that's, you know, you're behind the times. They're more like a resort now. Like, they're not nearly what they used to be. He's like, prison has gotten so much better. Yeah, he's like, if I wasn't a captain, like, the only place I'd rather be is prison. It's fantastic. But uh, Uhura interrupts them with an incoming message, which she plays through a loudspeaker. Which he's been gone for a while also. Yeah, she uh, has had... Really nothing to do on the ship, I guess. She's on vacation with Scotty. Yeah, more and more, man. Like I said, these minor characters, man, they just, they're they're still minor. They're, they're minor. And they still well, they, they focus on the big points, three. So. Yep. But uh, the message is from the Tantalus Penal Colony, and uh, they're saying that they can't find one of their violent inmates, which I guess is somewhat of a problem for them. Uh, but back in the transporter room, the inmate has stolen the unconscious tech's clothing, and it's a good thing they're the same size and they fit perfectly. That's what I thought. I'm like, man, what a coincidence. Yeah. You know, some some people just have all the luck. So uh, back in the bridge, the message is still playing and explains that the inmate uh, may have hidden in the box that they transported to the Enterprise. And I was like, man, Kirk's going to be real pissed at that tech for this one. He's going to be like, make sure you review, you know, the procedure for checking transported boxes when we get done here <laughs> like why didn't you open it right away you shouldn't you should always expect there's a guy in the box especially from a penal colony yeah i mean that, i guess like why wouldn't you search that box if it is from like a prison colony just well, to be safe i took it he was in there for a while because he had an oxygen ma- mask on so h- how long right. was he that that mask was wasn't hooked up to anything <laughs> by the way <laughs> like this is really Wait helping the mask was seriously i didn't even pay t- that much t- close attention yeah, there was like no uh, like cord or tube coming off it or anything. Oh, bro, I didn't notice that. I, that you know, I noticed Kirk like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't notice that one. Okay. Yeah, I'm a little upset. Uh, so Kirk sets the ship to security alert three, which is one higher than two, and Uhura broadcasts the alert over the uh, ship's intercom system. Um, the inmate at this point is just kind of running through the corridor, and another crew member tries to get his attention. He's like, "Hey, you know, you're from engineering," and the inmate like freaks out and he runs away. And so the crew member calls the bridge to report that he saw some suspicious uh, person in section C of deck 14. And what I really liked about this so far is I could tell they weren't going to spend, you know, 45 minutes tracking this guy down. Immediately, they're like, hey, we're at alert. And somebody's like, oh, shit, a suspicious dude. Like, I better, you know, call the captain about this. Yeah, the, the guy that saw him was a complete idiot. It's funny. Yeah, he ran up and he hit the microphone immediately. Like, oh, we got him here. He didn't uh, try to poach him to stop him. He's like, hey, he's on deck. 14 about yada 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 kind of i like that yeah i was worried it was going to be seriously like a 20 minutes of hide and seek or something on the ship like just trying to find him but i'm I'm glad that it wasn't that so uh uhura reports the information that she learned to kirk and uh spock is like yeah i called the security team and i'm gonna have them close off deck 14 and we're gonna start to search and it's like damn dude like these guys are so efficient like i just i love how efficient they are in situations like this Mm, i'm about to to kill that efficiency in about two seconds keep keep Go, go, keep going <laughs> yeah. on. Say what happens next. No, Paul. I feel like me and you might be on the same page uh, on upcoming. Uh, why did they do this this way? But go ahead. Yeah. So uh, in, in back on deck fourteen, uh, the inmates like hiding in a doorway, and a member of stop. the security stop there. crew. Stop there. Stop there. Stop there. Hold <laughs> on. Go. Stop there. That conversation. My turn now. <laughs> Who on earth? <laughs> Does not clear the room to the left doorway. You just went straight ahead, bro. Like, like what? 
Oh my, I was like, yo, are you kidding me? Listen, I watch TV, I watch movies, I watch cop shows. I, I was in the army, all this stuff. <laughs> I know that everybody on planet Earth knows you don't walk past a doorway. You, you clear the doorway. Okay, you, you just okay before door. we get into that, so he walks by the doorway where the dude was hiding, and then the security the guy comes up behind the security member and like chokes him out and takes his phaser and runs. And yes, oh. I also have a note that he is really fucking bad at searching. Oh, like he didn't just, even it, look. It, it, get it? Like it just it, it put me on twelve immediately. I, I thought, I what in the hell? The doorway is there. <laughs> yeah. You did not turn. You didn't even glance the doorway. Like dude, 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 maybe dude. it's his first day also. Oh, this yeah. <laughs> Dude. I was saying that that like Kirk and Spock and like the bridge crew are on top of shit. Like they did everything immediately, but this guy needs Dude, to be kicked just, off the security like, team. Like like if he would have like looked that way and then I'll do it, grab the gun and pull them in or something, I'd be like, okay, whatever. But he just didn't even bother to notice the door. That right no. there shows me that Kurt is now the issue because Captain Kurt is not training his security officers in a proper man- a procedure and searching now. So now Listen, we want, so now when we you lose new- people <laughs> at a rate that the Enterprise has lost people, you don't have do time for proper clean, for proper training <laughs> on these after, guys. After I, after I write my report, I'm calling this security guy. I'm calling the whole crew. Like, look, look, let's let's walk. What do we do? How can we get them right here? You didn't check that door. Are you kidding me? It's time for you to get uh, retrained. I'm retraining all security guards. They figure this crap out because this is by far one of the worst searches I ever seen on a TV show or movie ever. And, you know, Paul. Like, Paul has a yeah. has a good point. He did they're, not even do their security is pretty I terrible. So he didn't even. Yeah, no, I'm not disagreeing at all. No, I 100 percent agree didn't with Paul. He didn't even notice the door at all, bro. Like, <laughs> no. it's, it's, it's not that he. It's not that he like looked and and like and glanced. At the, he didn't even look that way, like at all. Bro, yeah, at all? Who yeah. who do we think is in charge of the security team? Like that has I to be know, but somebody that we haven't met yet, right? I don't know, but hashtag fire them. Nah, I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure. I don't know. I don't know who's in charge of security. I don't know who's in charge of this. Maybe each security has their own little uh, unit captain. I don't know. But somebody is getting fired after we have the review of this prisoner and how he got a uh, got a weapon and choked you out. Yeah, he, he's seventy, bro. Look at him. <laughs> hey, I think they said he was in his early forties. Okay, he's still spry. Oh man, he's seen some miles then. <laughs> yeah. Early forties. Look at him, bro. He's like 70, 60. He's that's what, the, that's what they said in the report of him. They, I think they said he was like six foot something and like early forties. Well, whatever they did to him on that penal column must have aged him this this much <laughs> yeah. because he don't look he don't look early forties. Okay, I'm early forties. Yeah. He look about sixty. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So just, so my bad, but I so, I'm, done, I'm done. People, rinse over. I apologize about that. I just it got me. Yeah. So he knocks the security guy out, takes his phaser, and uh, we go back to the bridge. And Spock says that they are expanding their search to other sections because they haven't found anything on deck 14. And then uh, Kirk calls uh, the Tantalus colony to get a hold of Doctor Adams, and Doctor Adams answers. And Kirk tells him that they, you know they have an escaped inmate on their ship. And Uhura interrupts him to say that they received a report that they found an unconscious uh, transporter crewman. So at least they know that. And they didn't know that they, they didn't know that the transporter crewman had his clothes stolen, so that like everybody would know Minor to watch detail. out for you know a guy wearing an, an engineer. Yeah, like hey, look out for this dude in an engineer uniform. Uh, but Doctor Adams apologizes and he's like, hey, that's my fault. Uh, and he warns that the inmate is very clever and extremely violent. 
And Kirk just says that they'll keep him updated and then he hangs up on him like he always does. Like, I'm, I'm really starting to notice that Kirk just hangs up on everyone. Uh, but I also noticed that the doctor didn't seem too upset at this. He's just like, oh, my bad. No, he seems ve- the just, doctor seemed very reasonable. And it wasn't even that. It's just like he seemed to not care about that this guy had escaped his prison and ended up on the Enterprise. He's just like, oh, yeah, you know, my bad. Let me know what happens with that. Yeah, maybe it happens all the time. Yeah, every time they get a visitor. So uh, the door to the bridge opens and Kirk and McCoy like quickly turn to see who it is. And it's just a security team member who steps in. Which I have an issue with this part right here. Why wouldn't the security guard be on the other side of the door so he could see who's coming towards the bridge? Right, or at the very least facing the door? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to be Wait, wait, actually, um, doesn't an elevator lead directly to the bridge? I thought it wasn't that there's like a corridor on the other side of the uh, door. It doesn't an elevator yeah, take you straight ele- to the bridge. Yes, oh, is it an elevator? Yeah, I think so. Elevator. He could still just stand there and go up and down with the damn thing, but he could I, be I, at the other side of the elevator too. Right. He could I, sit, like sit at the bottom well, part. I thought it was an elevator, but once again, keep, keep moving on. See what happens next. Yeah. So bones and uh, Kirk look at each other kind of relieved. And uh, then I noticed that we have more uh, background chatter going on, like more radio reports of the crew just, you know, searching and, and, you know, what they're finding and stuff, which I really, really like because Dan and I have discussed that, you know, it, it makes the ship feel more alive when they've got that kind of thing going on. Like they're, you know, like the bridge is the only section of the ship. Right. But, uh, so Spock, uh, Spock makes a remark to McCoy about how it's interesting that, you know, earth has glorified organized violence for over 40 centuries, but then they imprison anybody who employs it privately, you know, good remark by him. By the, by the way, that is by far one of the best quotes of life. Like, every once in a while they have these quotes that hit you, hit you like, that is an amazingly clever quote. Yeah. You just think about that in general, like that whole quote in general. It's just, it's amazing. I like that quote a lot. It stuck with me. Yeah. Uh, but McCoy kind of takes it personally, and he sarcastically says that, he's like, oh, you know, of course, the you guys have found an answer, you know, you guys being the Vulcans. And Spock... Uh, says that they, you know, dispose of their emotions and that there's no emotion, then there's no violence, which I don't think is 100% correct. Like, yeah, I'm sure a lot of violence comes out of emotion, but it also sometimes comes out of uh, necessity exactly. or, you know, what people he, think he is say, necessary. He doesn't say no violence, though. He says no motive to violence. Okay, that's true. But it's yeah, still, it, it, yeah, that's what that he says, most, but also. But, but that but also implies that most violence comes from emotion, which actually technically is true. If you think about it, a lot of the violence, like, oh, you're mad at somebody, beat him up, that's anger. So you'll fight. Or if you want, or if you think of a, somebody kills somebody, out of anger, they kill them, that's anger, they kill them. Or they enjoy the pleasure of killing, that's, a, that's the, the pleasure emotion. Pleasure, and uh, being happy about feeling good about it, that leads to violence. So I think what, what he's saying actually technically is true. There's, always, there's a step before violence. And, and yeah, it has, okay, I it think has that's to fair. Anymore. It has to have an emotion thing. Either you enjoy killing, which is part of an emotion, or if you, or if you, or if you uh, kill, if you kill or hurt somebody, it's part of an emotion too. Either way, if you're unhappy, you hurt somebody. That's also an emotion. Hmm. So technically, what he's saying is true. Any kind of uh, emotions lead to the violence. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't remember when I was watching it. I had an argument against it, and I didn't take the notes. But I think that uh, you would have just like destroyed my argument anyway. So yeah, that's, that's pretty good laid out. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's a good observation. Yeah. 
So, um, at this point, uh, the door opens, and then the inmate emerges, and he delivers delivers another karate chop to knock out that guard. Woo, he didn't take woo, his gun, though. Like, he could have had two guns. Here. Moment here. Please. The security guards are trash. Let's just say it. Security yeah. here is trash. You're not looking at the... You, you heard the, the, the doors open, you didn't turn around. He's let the dude chop you. You're not looking at the door. I mean, it just... No, the, these guys I'm should be like Navy SEALs. Like, getting taken down by a simple judo chop should be... Dude, um, not, even, not even Navy SEAL. Just imagine if you... It, it, your security, right? I got my kid. I'm not going to leave the front door open. You know, unlocked it, whatever, so he can walk right out. Like, I feel truly like he's, oh, I'm not even doing my job. You're looking forward straight, looking at people. Why aren't you looking at the door, which is the only way inside the room? If well, you're could, there, you're there to protect Captain Kurt and the crew, apparently. Couldn't that, they lock that, that door down? Whatever. I don't know. I just don't understand why he's not I would looking assume at the door. So. Well, if, they, if you know you have a, a convict running around on, you know, your ship, uh, one of, the, one of yeah. the things that you should do is probably lock down the the hell, so no one can get in there. Oh my right. god! How, how smart is that, Dad? I appreciate your genius, simple <laughs> concept. Like, no, we'll just put in the door. We'll just put a security guard by the door, looking the wrong way, and be like, "It's, Dude, it's gonna be. Just, it'll be okay." You know, you think that maybe they I, just didn't what? think that he was like a credible threat at this time, and that's why they're only at like security level three. I mean, I don't know I, how many security levels they have. But I don't know. Maybe yeah, they just thought know. it's not that big a deal right now. I don't know. The Dr. Adams did say that he was uh, very uh, potentially violent. So that yeah. should have. So I assume they went from one to three for the whole violence thing. Well, not right. only violent, but clever. But, yeah, yeah. So it's like all they have to do, I, I tr- lock all the doors. They, he can't get anywhere. They're all electronic. Every door is in this place electronic. Close all the doors. He can't get anywhere. Then you would right. just do a sweeping room by room, and you know, unless you're going to skip a couple room doors, exactly because you. Except that one guy's going to miss every room, and just walk down a hallway, <laughs> yeah, and be like, "There's looking. nowhere exactly. he could be." Oh my god, security on this whole show! I, you know, when I first started the show, I didn't think I had much to talk about, but I realized how much I hated security for the first like ten minutes of the show. They really. Uh, I'm just. I'm starting to understand the whole red shirt memes about how like they die and they're just generally useless because that's yeah yeah that seems to be the case so far. Yep. All right, you so, go ahead, uh, man. I just went to calm down. The uh, the inmate asks where the captain is, and of course Kirk steps up because he's a decent captain sometimes. And uh, he's like, the the inmate says that his name is Van Gelder, but he he, he kind of has like some trouble spitting it out. Like it it seems like it causes him pain. And uh, he says that he wants asylum, and Kirk's like, what at gunpoint? Which hey, fair question. And Van Gelder says that he wants Kirk to promise that you know he's not going to take him back to the penal colony and Kirk says no promise. So like he's not even willing to entertain the the idea. I actually appreciated and, that uh, from him because like no, you're not going to push me around. Yeah, he's shown during this one and during Mud's Women that he is not willing to negotiate especially when he believes that he has the upper hand. So um Kirk starts walking towards Van Gelder and uh he starts demanding that he hands over the weapon and uh Van Gelder threatens to disable the ship by destroying the control panel. And Spock starts to kind of move in from Van Gelder's right. So Van Gelder swings his weapon to point at Spock. And Kirk moves in and kicks the phaser out of his hand while Spock moves in and does the uh, Vulcan nerve pinch to incapacitate Van Gelder. And I really feel like that kick was unnecessary. Like, he's in, you know, (laughs) arm's reach. Did he have to go with the kick? Like, good for Shatner and his flexibility, but that was just really unnecessary. I think the kick itself looked very... uh very uh awkward 
Yeah, it was ridiculous. Dude, oh, like he was kicking a field gun, goal. He's like, oh, that was, it looked kind of awkward. Yeah, he did like a field goal kick. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't appreciate the takedown, though. <laughs> yeah. That's good teamwork. He's, yeah, Spock moving in from behind like that. And we, we finally get to see the use of the nerve pinch again. And it could have come in handy so many times over the last few episodes. And uh, I understand they probably didn't want it to be overused. But, yeah, it definitely came in handy here. It also would have been nice if you chased with the security guard that got knocked out right behind you. You know, yeah, maybe they should, he should teach that how to do that. Like, teach the security team how to do that. Maybe that's who yeah. should be the head of uh, security, would be Spock. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Spock. The guy that it can, can incapacitate you with, like, a touch. Yeah, definitely Spock. So Kirk uh, orders Van Gelder to be moved to the sick bay and orders them to reverse course back to the Tantalus colony. And we go to the sick bay where Bones is uh, telling Kirk that Van Gelder is abnormal but that it's not schizophrenia and there's no tissue damage or any condition that, you know, Bones is acquainted with. And he says that it took almost a triple dose of sedative to put uh, Van Gelder under. He says that uh, Van Gelder would, you know, he'd say one thing and then he'd seem to forget what he was saying and then he would say something else, but that there was always like a ring of truth to what he was saying. And he tells Kirk that he would really like to study him, which he says it kind of like, I don't know, kind of weird, like he's like as an alien or something. But Kirk is like, well, you know, this this whole thing is not our problem. And Van Gelder then like sits up and he says that Kirk is a smug button pushing brass hat, which is I don't know, like how insulting that was in the in the 60s. But doesn't really. uh, I mean, I feel like Kirk would just be like, "Okay, no, the brass hat really hurt his feelings. (laughs) He's like brass hat. It's probably a reference to uh, it's probably a space. Something you say up in space. You know, yeah, it seems like be, yeah, he's yeah. just like a like a pencil pushing kind of like um, you know. Without even thinking jerk. about it, I'm gonna go with brass hat is in like uh like captain brass medals. So maybe brass yeah. hat is a term for you would use to talk about a captain or somebody in position of power. Yeah, and he goes on to talk about how Bones and Kirk are like so so sure of themselves. So Kirk comes back to him and and asks what his name is and. He tries to respond, but again, he seems to be in a lot of pain before he can say his name, say his name is uh, Simon Van Gelder. Uh, he's, he struggles to speak again, but he says that he was a director at the Tantalus Colony, and he tries to keep talking, but you know, the pain is just too much for him, and he just starts to laugh uncontrollably, and he suggests that someone has erased or uh, edited something, but he can't seem to get it out. And, and at this point, I was like, okay, I, I like where this is going. Like, we get a good... Uh, like kind of mystery that's a little different than the the stuff that we've seen before. So uh, he starts screaming that he's not going to go back to the penal colony and McCoy injects him with the sedative to to knock him out. And we go back to the bridge and Kirk asks uh, Spock before, how long until... we go to the bridge, I just want to clarify something real quick. The actor who was acting like he was in pain and doing that was really good. Yeah, uh, I, I, I forgot to I note that, clarify, but yeah. yeah. I just want to clarify, that was really good. Like I truly thought, like I could feel, I never questioned that he was in pain when, as he was doing the whole thing. I thought it was really cool how he started talking and started shaking, and in the middle of him talking, he would act like he was pain, so he couldn't get it out. I thought it was really cool and clever. I just want to Yeah, and he was, like, super that. super sweaty and everything. Yeah, yeah this like, was the scene that where, too, I was like, yeah, he's really, like, he's I really, really like this guy. Yeah. yeah I agree, because, you know, even though they said he wasn't schizophrenic, that's what I kept jumping back to. Yeah, like, he's, there's clearly something, like, a little bit off, and, like, he just, he played it really well, so... Uh, so we are back on the bridge and Kirk asks Spock how long until they reach the colony. And Spock says that they have about an hour. I think it was like 57 minutes, some odd seconds. 
And he says that he's studying a tape that he got in the ship's records that show that Dr. Simon Van Gelder was assigned to the Tantalus penal colony about six months ago and that he was the assistant of Dr. Adams. And I'm like, oh, man, that Dr. Adams, I had a bad feeling about him, you know, during that first conversation. So Kirk decides to call the colony to talk to Dr. Adams. And he asks uh, Adams for information about Van Gelder. And he's told that Van Gelder was working on an experiment or experimental rehabilitation beam and that Van Gelder tested it on himself. And that's how he ended up in the state that he's in, at which point McCoy enters the bridge and kind of like comes up to Kirk real close and quietly tells him that, you know, that what he's hearing isn't true. So Kirk puts Dr. Adams on hold. Without even telling him. First I he hung him, up on him, but. He didn't even tell him he was going to put him on a hold. He just put him on hold. Yeah. Yeah, just flips the switch and, and leaves him hanging, which is, you know, classic Kirk style. He has no phone etiquette, like, at all. <laughs> no, no, he tells, he tells him to stand by. Oh, did he? Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah. yeah, he does yeah, a little yeah, bit later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He says, uh, he said, talk to him and say, yeah, doctor, uh, Adam, please stand by. Whatever. Yeah, he he doesn't at this point, but then later in the conversation, he puts him on hold again, and he tells him at that point. But like in this one, he just flips it over and just leaves him. I actually thought he generally hung up on him, like, oh, I'm just gonna hang up on you, like you know, I I do yeah. everyone else. That's what I thought too, and then he goes back to talking to him. But um, Bones explains that he doesn't believe Doctor Adams, and you know, that's something that he can't explain. It's just kind of a feeling that he has. And Kirk gets really annoyed and starts defending Dr. Adams and says that he's done more for the humane treatment of prisoners in the last 20 years than anybody has done in the last 40 centuries. And that, you know, Kirk says he's been to the penal colonies and that they're, you know, they're not in cages anymore like they used to be. And he just he's really just like fanboying for Dr. Adams here, which I thought was really weird for Kirk. Like, he's just seems to be a huge fan of this guy. Like, he's got posters of him on his wall. Didn't he fanboy over another doctor in one of the earlier episodes also? Like, he really wanted to meet him? It was just uh, when uh, What Are Little Girls Made Of? Yeah, that doctor. He was, like, super fanboy over that guy, too. Apparently, he's yeah, a fan the of the doctors. Yeah, but I think the about this, though, is um, for well, Jim... See, I think when, whenever it comes to certain doctors who do things that are amazing... He feels some type of way, like he's like, okay, this guy has taken the violence and the harm out of the prison system, and now they're they're getting re- rehabilitated by his process, you know? Because if you realize, like, Kirk does not go to violence; that's not really his thing. It's okay, I'll get the violence, but you have to make me go there. He right. he, he tries everything diplomatically, everything else diplomatically, but then at the end, he's like, you know what? Okay, fine, let's go to violence. That's, that's the only option. This doc, this uh doctor has took an old prison system in the last twenty years and took the violence and and, and rehabilitated all these prisoners. So him, he's like, hey, he's 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 had so many lives, like, and so he he trusts Doctor Adams more than he trusts uh Scott. Oh my 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 bones at the time. I'm sorry, bones, bones at the time. So I get I get what Kurt's his his uh his point is. I just think that. It's just not, I, I don't think it's fanboy as much as it's respect of somebody who has did something that nobody thought was possible. I just thought that, like, maybe it was in the acting, but, like, he just came off as, you know, really, really defending Dr. Adams. And, like, I get that, you know, what you said makes sense, but on the other side of that is McCoy, which is, first of all, his uh, ship's head surgeon, or surgeon, and then, second of all, like a really close friend of his who has typically been, you know, right about situations like this in the past. So you would think that he would, you know, give 
McCoy a little bit of leeway or a little bit of, you know, he would believe him a little bit, at least enough to be like, okay, you know, I'll take that into consideration. But he's just straight like, no, this guy is amazing. Like, you're trash. Get out of here. Honestly, I, I he should have found like a middle ground on kind of both of what you're saying. Yeah, that's that's at least what I had expected. Like, you don't have to believe him outright, but go, okay, you know, McCoy is a capable, trusted, you know, friend, but also, you know, professionally good at what he does. And maybe I should take that into consideration. Okay, I got you. I feel what you're so we we both got both point we both got to the same point but different ways about it. I get I get yeah. what you're saying. It could be either yeah. or, but I I think my but it, it could be either or. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So uh, Spock interrupts him and says that uh, they should ask Doctor Adams if he wants Van Gelder returned. He's like, you got you know does he even want this guy back? Which I mean, why wouldn't you? But uh, Kirk returns back to his communicator and and talks to Adams, who asks them if they're going to be passing by any medical facilities that are better than they have in the penal colony because he says he wants Van Gelder to get the best treatment that they have available. So Kirk says he's going to ask the ship's surgeon, and this is when he puts uh, Dr. Adams on hold. And he turns to McCoy, and McCoy says that he's like, you know, Adams knows there's nothing better between here and there, so obviously not. And he, but he says that there's something unusual going on, and Kirk's like, well, that you know, it's just your assumption. And so McCoy says that he is required to enter any reasonable doubts he has into his medical log, and that Kirk is required to answer those in his log and at this point i'm like fuck yeah like that's a solid move that's like that's almost like going to hr like he made it official and now kirk has to respond to that i i i i enjoyed that scene i think it's funny because like after he does it kirk kind of smirks like okay you got this yeah he's like that's the game we're playing okay and like even spock nods he's like dude nice yeah, yeah, like they all. It, it's funny because it, it was like all, it was like a debate or whatever, and he's like, "Oh, whatever," and then he ends up coming up with this way of making him have to do it. And it's like Kurt and Spock respecting him at the same time. Like, okay, since I I won't I won't come off like I'm I'm I am uh, trashing Doctor Adams' uh, way way he's doing things. I come off like, hey, my surgeon, he wants to he put this in he put this in. I gotta fall. I gotta come down and check things out. Oh yeah, come on, come 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 ahead and do it. You know, it's not. It doesn't seem like Kurt's doing it out of um, like he like he doesn't touch Doctor Adams. He's doing it because the doctor he's required by 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 the code. Yeah, I looked at it like, you know, uh, McCoy approached him as a friend first, and then since he didn't get anywhere with that, then he had to take the official route. Like, hey, okay. you know, you didn't listen to you know my my advice, and now yeah. you're not gonna have a choice. Yeah, which I like I, which I thought was just a great move. Plus, I like, I like the way you say it better. Plus, Kirk gets to meet uh, apparently one of his heroes, so everyone kind of wins. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Kirk comes back to talk to Dr. Adams and says, he's like, hey, this is pretty embarrassing, but, you know, I'm required by my regulations to investigate this matter. And Adams is like, oh, you know, that's cool. You, you consider it doing me a favor. And then he invites Kirk to beam down and investigate the facilities for himself. And Kirk agrees with that and. Then Adams asks if he can only bring like a small landing party to keep exposure to outside contact to a minimum. And Kirk agrees with that and then hangs up on him in classic Kirk faction, which we've already been in this situation once before, dude. Like when people are asking you specifically, don't bring a bunch of people like that's typically a bad sign, I think. Yeah. Oh, come on now. Come on. Hey, maybe maybe he don't want to. You know, I thought I thought the first thing he thought was, hey, don't bring any women because we come into a, a penile colony. But yeah. that changes. That's the first thing I thought. Like, oh, maybe yeah. he said, 
Hey, don't bring a bunch of people down here. I don't want to. Wait, I talk to me all men. So, any, yeah. But anyway, I, I, yeah. I'm not sure what they spent the time. It was just kind of weird. Yeah. So Kirk turns to McCoy and he tells him to find somebody in, within his department with psychiatric and penal or penology experience. Which we and, all know uh, where this I don't is know going. Why. Penology just kills me. <laughs> yeah. So McCoy just simply responds with "Yes, sir." So like he's obviously pissed. And then we go to a commercial and we come back to another uh, captain's log, just recapping current events. And Kirk uh, goes over to Spock and they contact McCoy on a video screen. And McCoy says that Van Gelder is still violently agitated. And Kirk is like, well, you know, I suppose that means that you want to keep him here during the investigation. And Spock actually agrees that they should keep him there during the investigation. Uh, So McCoy says that he found somebody with the experience that Kirk wants and that Dr. Noel will be standing by in the transporter room and then Kirk and Spock uh, leave the bridge and head for the transporter room. So they get there and Kirk sees the very attractive technician standing on the transporter and she introduces herself as Dr. Helen Noel and says that, you know, they've met before and Kirk and Spock give each other like a quick glance, like, oh, geez. And honestly, I, I actually like I laughed out loud. I was like, dude, McCoy is amazing in this episode. Like he sent like this. He knows yeah. he like knows he Kirk's knew, weakness. He, he knew exactly how to buy, uh, mess with Kirk. Like, OK, yep. you, you want to mess with me? I'm going to pick this chick. I know you. I know how you are. Like everything, everything about it is just a, a, a smart ass thing. Man, so everyone knows Kirk's the, weakness. Yeah. Yep. So I saw the doctor. I'm like, you know what? Here we go. I say, I say, I say Kirk's in trouble. Uh, as soon as this all happened to the doctor, I was like, yeah, curse in trouble. He's done. Which is really funny because you remember the last episode we were discussing who would win in a fight and how McCoy like is, is smart, so like maybe not the best fighter, so he would find yeah. Kirk's weakness. Well, like here he yeah. is. Like they're having a yeah. little like just like a little fight and <laughs> he's already exploiting well, you gotta, you, that weakness. You gotta fight Kurt surrounded by women. You gotta have all women <laughs> watching you guys fight. Yeah. <laughs> While you're fighting uh, Kurt, you get the advantage. She's like, Oh, what, what, I I'm trying to fight. I can't, I can't focus. The other thing that I really like about this is that Spock is having the time of his life watching these guys have like this little spat. Like Spock's just sitting by like, oh, yeah, yeah you know, good going McCoy. Like, oh, good, good going Kirk. Like he's just smirking and raising eyebrows like he's loving it. Enjoying this, enjoying this stuff, this little fest they're having with each other. He's like enjoying it like a background. Like, oh, this is funny. Yeah. So um, Kirk uh, goes up on the transporter and Dr. Noel asks uh, if he remembers the science lab Christmas party where he dropped in. And he's like, he quickly cuts her off. He's like, yeah, I remember. Those yeah. Christmas parties will always dude, get you. Dude, I started laughing again. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and, Kurt, I said, and Kurt messed up too. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> See, the only thing I thought, like, when I got to this part, though, I thought the banter between them two would keep me going the entire episode. Like, I was like, oh, yeah. if this happens all episode, I'm going to really enjoy this episode. You know. Yeah. Like, I, just, I don't know. I wonder how Janice would have felt if she found out about that Christmas party. <laughs> and, and part two, I see. It's weird. I, I don't know where she is because this is this should be her, right? Like, like I was like, why ain't this Janice? She, like, she's they, on vacation like, too right now. Well, yeah. It's, it's not that Janice doesn't have the the skill or whatever at all. Because I, I thought I thought okay, if they bring Janice, they might have to change the story around, but still find a female character like to have Janice in it. I just thought they brought this new female character in. And I thought it was kind of strange that it wasn't Janice for a minute. Yeah. I mean, I what know, happens I later on in the episode, Janice would sure like to have been in her shoes, but that's skipping yeah, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I know, I thought, I thought it should have been Janice. That was weird. They had a new character at the same time. I got it. I just somehow thought it would have been him stuck with Janice again. 
I just like that there's yeah. a whole probably history with Kirk with all these women on the ship where he's like, oh, God, not this one. Yeah. And, and McCoy found that one, and she just yeah. happened to have the relevant experience. So Spock asks Kirk if there's a problem, and he steps off the transporter pad to go talk to Spock, and he's like, yeah, tell McCoy that she had better check out as the best assistant I've ever had. <laughs> like he, he knows he got got at that point. Yep. Like he knows. McCoy got him. So Kirk and Dr. Noel beam to the planet, uh, to the entrance of a building, and she suggests that Kirk calls her Helen, and he's like, this is not the time. He's like, if, you know, if, this is another time, it's another place, and it's another situation. So Yeah, that's kind of unprofessional on her behalf. Uh, I thought she was just kind of being friendly, but yeah, I can see. At first, I just thought, well, I thought she was being friendly, but yeah, it seemed to be more like fraternization than... Well, I, I feel like Bones yeah. was like, hey, you know flirt with him a little bit kind of throw him off his game yeah which kind of leads to my next point when they uh when they walk into the elevator her uniform was noticeably shorter than like all of the other women's on that show i almost like, she basically just had like ass cheek hanging out yeah well she which was bones really knows what he's doing he's like make that skirt as short as possible yeah he's like hey you know go down there flirt a little Okay, now now I don't feel so so sexualized the women so bad now that you brought it up first. Because <laughs> I noticed that immediately about her. I thought, yo, is everything shorter? And I thought, why am I staring at her? Like I got I gotta quit staring at her. Like I think I swear it's shorter. So I'm like looking like I felt bad, kept, kept, I kept staring at her at a skirt, like I think it's shorter. Like I'm looking at the screen all close and stuff. Like I know I'm I'm imagining things. Like I cannot figure out. I knew something was up about her outfit. Like, they seem to put well, the women in shorter and shorter skirts as the episodes go along. Well, honestly, what caught my attention was, like, when they turned to walk into the elevator, um, they're clearly wearing, like, shorts underneath that uniform, and her shorts are a slightly lighter shade of blue than the uniform is, and that it stuck out. And I was like, God damn, that's a short uniform. I actually thought it was, like, blue underwear that was matching it's her underwear. skirt. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's yeah, that's what I thought, like, too, but I think I think that they wear shorts underneath there. Or at least I would hope so. Oh man, I think only wear underwear, bro. Yeah, that's that's what caught my attention. But uh, yeah. th- they enter the room and it starts to shake and make a really loud noise. And like Kirk quickly grabs a hold of uh, Helen, and then he realizes that they're just in an elevator that's going down really, really fast. Which, how did you not know you're in an elevator at that point? Right, it's just like the room's just like shaking. I don't know. I bet you could probably feel it. When, well, when you walked into so, the room, it would be a box shape and there'd be nothing in there. Like, yeah, uh, it, it, obviously, it's supposed to go somewhere. It may somewhere. be a box shape, though. The issue is it may be a box shape or maybe it's as sh- big as the room is. Yeah, look at it. like an if elevator you, doesn't have to be a square. A square, yeah, at all. That's it true. Could, it could have been, could been, could been a really big square. It could be as big as the room. It could have a couch inside of it. We really don't know the whole aspects of the whole room. room. We just know that there was no, there was no indication it was the elevator. Yeah. But AK, let's get Kurt to hold to hold the chick. Let's find a way to get them together. Yeah, you know, let's get them, give them that that little moment. So uh, the elevator stops, and the uh, the door opens, and they're met by Doctor Adams. And Helen jokingly suggests that they just call her Helen because she says there are so many titles around that they won't be sure who's talking to who, which is a pretty funny joke. I mean, there's probably a lot of Doctor Doctor Captain. Hey, Paul. Since you're the yeah. the wardrobe wardrobe guy, you're the clothes guy. Uh-huh. Did you get like a cult feeling off their clothing once you see them? Oh yeah, actually, okay. It's, it's funny you mention it. I wrote down in my notes literally. They're all wearing the same clothes. All the men, 
All the men are wearing the same outfit, but the females aren't wearing the same outfit. They're wearing the same style outfit, but different colors. If you if you notice, yeah, all the all the female prisoners, yeah. I I I, I mean, I, I, oh well, yeah. I guess the prisoners are too. I was gonna say they they are at work, so it could be like a uniform. But you're right, the prisoners are wearing the same thing. Yep, the prisoner. Yeah, the prisoners are all wearing the same thing. Yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of interesting myself. But I guess it is supposed to be more like a rehab center, not so much like prison, right? So it's yeah, not like the they're gonna have center, the, the it, striped it, it jumpsuits. Gave, it gave off a culty vibe, though. Yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. It did absolutely. So, um. Kirk says that per regulation, he's going to check his weapon, so hand over his weapon, and Adams refuses to take it and says, hey, just keep it out of sight. So they move to a table where Adams suggests that they have a toast because they don't get many visitors, so he just wants to get drunk with somebody that's not crazy. And Kirk pulls out his communicator and tries to contact the ship, but Adams says that he's not going to get through because of the security screen, and he goes in and turns off the security force field, which... Kirk should have known that, right? Maybe he should go brush up on his uh, penal colony <laughs> stuff. Oh, don't do him like that. Oh, I say, don't do him like that. He, for, he, he forgot for a minute. He forgot where he was at, okay? Yeah. yeah. He's allowed to. He's the captain. Well, Helen is pretty distracting. That's true. We'll make, we'll make excuses for Kirk. The other guy, he has to go study. But <laughs> Kirk has excuses. <laughs> Kirk gets excuses around here, so he's cool. You know, like, oh, my back. Oh, I'm so busy doing other stuff. Me worrying about procedure just in the back of my head. I, I got time for that. Yeah, he's got a lot on his mind. Yeah, exactly. So he calls Spock and tells him that they've arrived and that they're with Dr. Adams, which I think is really sweet that he's calling Spock and letting him know that he made it safe, even though it was like two seconds ago. Uh, then Kirk says Kirk out and goes to hang up and Spock gets him. He hits him with the Enterprise out and hangs up on him. <laughs> so go Spock. You break that cycle. <laughs> Spock's like, Spock's like, I'm not gonna let you hang up on me. Yeah, he he reached for the top of the communicator to like flip it down or turn it off or whatever. And Spock's like, no, Enterprise out. Like, got him. <laughs> so uh, a woman uh, named Lathe or Lathe enters the room, and Doctor Adams introduces them and says that she came down for rehab and that she stayed on as a therapist. So Kirk is like, well, I'm gonna conduct an interview with her, and he starts asking her some questions and asks her about her past and. She says that the past doesn't matter because she isn't the person that she used to be. And she's very like, she's very like blank, just kind of, you know, monotone, um, emotionless, I guess. I put, I put a robot talk. Yeah. Like, yeah, just very robot talk. I I said crazy eyes has robot talk because I feel like her (laughs) eyes. I feel like one of her eyes was looking a little little bit to the right. I think one of her eyes was misaligned. Dude, you know, I, like, I saw that in a few different people this episode. Yeah, I thought I thought maybe they went by like, yo, let's get people with crazy eyes to show that the show the reference of this uh, whatever's going on here, whatever. So like, I truly said, I put cra- crazy eyes, robot talk. Uh, Doctor Adams explains that letting go of unbearable memories is just part of their you know their cure and their treatment, and Helen seems to agree with that method. So they go and they have their toast as uh, Lave watches oddly from the side. Like she can't have a drink, so she's just kind of back there watching. And then we cut to uh, a little bit later as they're finishing up their tour, and Kirk notices something in a room and asks uh, Adams what you know what it is, and he says that it's one of his failed experiments. So Helen tries to talk Kirk out of investigating it, but Kirk's like, "No, you know, we need to go check this out," and Adams you know, agrees and, and they go into the room. So we go back to the enterprise where Van Gelder is still trying to explain what happened to Spock and McCoy. And 
he manages to get out something about a neural neutralizer and something about some lights and a control panel. But every time he tries to talk about anything, he just seems to be in an immense amount of pain. And then we cut back to the planet where Dr. Adams is explaining the neural neutralizer to Kirk and Helen. And there's a guy sitting in a chair underneath like a, a kind of light thing. And he says that they don't get much use out of it, but that a beam from above the patient uh, neutralizes their brain waves to relax them. And he says that the effects are only temporary. So Kirk asks them, you know, why they keep using it if it doesn't do anything. And Adam says that they use it just based on the hope that it will help somebody. Like w- one day this might work. Yeah. We're just going to keep, you know, frying people's brains till it helps one of them. So Helen starts to explain that tranquilizers are fine, but, you know, continually pumping chemicals into a person's bloodstream. And then Adams cuts her off and is just like, yeah, she's right. Like, doesn't even listen to what she's going to say. But you, you can kind of guess. I thought that was kind of a so, dick move on his behalf. Like, she's arguing arguing on the behalf of you, and he just cuts her off. Right. Yeah. And uh, Kirk starts to ask how the machine works. And uh, there's a guy there that just gives him a quick rundown of the controls. So Helen explains that even on Earth, they use machines like this for treatment and that there's nothing like medically wrong with them or, you know, there's nothing bad about them. So Kirk asks Dr. Adams where Van Gelden's injuries happen. He's like, hey, you know, we've we've gone through this whole place and you still haven't shown me where he, you know, hurt himself. And Dr. Adams says that it was in the room that they're in with the neural neutralizer. And he says that... uh, Simon tried the machine on full volume while he was by himself and that there was nobody there to help him turn it off. So he suffered injuries because of that. They step away and the attendant at the machine, like they, they just leave, they go back down the hallway and the guy at the machine doesn't even really wait. Like they're still on like in frame and he cranks the volume up on this machine and tells the person in the chair that he has to forget uh, everything that he heard and that if he tries to remember any of it, it will cause him terrible pain that gets worse the harder he tries. So there's, now we know how, you know, what's going on with Van Gelden, or whatever, Van Gelder? Gelder. So uh, Spock tries to, or Spock calls Kirk to talk about the neural neutralizer, and Kirk says that, you know, Adams explained what happened to Van Gelder, and he asks Spock if he has anything more, but Spock's not going to say anything because he knows that Adams is present. So Dr. Adams leaves to go talk to a staff member, and after he leaves, Spock tries to warn Kirk that he's in danger, and Helen just disagrees for some reason. She's like, no, we're good here. Everything's safe. And Kirk agrees with her and says, you know, hey, everything's good here. So, you know, Van Gelder hurt himself. It wasn't uh, Dr. Adams. He did it to himself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, Kirk says, or Helen says that Van Gelder's brain has short-circuited and that he's having some delusions. And McCoy says he still has doubts. And Kirk is like, well, I have no more information. So... That's that. And Kirk decides that they're going to spend the night there and that he's going to check in every four hours and then he does his Kirk thing and hangs up. If it was Spock on the other end of that, though, instead of McCoy, then he would would have got the Enterprise (laughs) out. So we're still in the Enterprise here and Ben Gelden starts uh, yelling that, you know, he they don't they shouldn't let Kirk stay there. And McCoy and Spock go to sedate him and. He says that he's, you know, he's going to try to behave and that the, he's going to fight it if they don't sedate him, you know, because he doesn't want to be knocked out. And he warns them that Dr. Adams is going to try to kill Kirk and Helen. And we go to a commercial. Uh, we come back from the commercial and Spock is giving a captain's log saying that he's going to use an ancient Vulcan technique to probe Van Gelder's mind. And so we cut to McCoy 
you know, asking Spock to use that technique and Spock says he's never used it on a human before that it's a hidden personal thing to Vulcan people. And McCoy argues that, you know, Kirk could be in trouble and, you know, he wants to know if it's going to work, if the Vulcan technique will work. So Spock approaches Van Gelder and says that it's going to be, you know, it could be dangerous and it's going to require him to make some pressure changes to Van Gelder's nerves and, and blood system or blood vessels. And Van Gelder agrees to let him do it. So Spock says that, you know, it's only going to affect the person that he touches. So McCoy's going to be completely safe and that it's not, for some reason, he specifies that it's not like hypnosis. But then he puts his hand on Van Gelder's forehead and his throat and starts talking to him like he is hypnotizing him. I got to cut in here. So this whole like two minute situation with his hands on his head, I don't know why it made me real uncomfortable, but I felt like I don't even know. I felt like it was like a sex scene of a of a, of a, <laughs> in a TV show. <laughs> Let's be real here. That's how I felt. I swear, because like if if you like watch it, it's like he's caressing his head, caressing his neck, getting all close, like almost rubbing their faces so close together. They are literally almost making out. I swear, if you look, dude, it's almost like it's almost like it's a sex scene of this show, like whatever. Hey, and I hey don't like, judge that Vulcan technique. I was like, yo, is it me or is this just like a sex scene that we're not even paying attention to? Like, I swear. Like, it was super intimate. Like, the music kind of slowed down. They changed the, the it was like a, the lighting got, the, the camera angle, the lighting got softer. I'm telling you right now. Well, even like, at, it, towards it the end, like even towards the end, Spock started to whisper, like, in his yeah, ear. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man. It was like, he was like, oh, yeah, like, let me, let me get inside your mind. <laughs> like, like, let's, like, let's say he picks up women, too. Like yeah, let's have a mind meld together. Let's just, let me let me hold you close. Like yeah, yeah he's like, like you're just... getting very sleepy. <laughs> now you're getting very aroused, and he's like, oh wait, wait shit, wrong one. <laughs> That's not the one I meant to do. <laughs> he's like you're not supposed to be sending blood down there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh dear God. I'm gonna change. I'm, I'm gonna change your nerve, and it's, it's gonna feel like you're You'll be fine. Just get, that... like. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's this all whole, the penal talk. Dude, I'm telling you, this whole scene to me felt like, it's like, if I imagine Spock picking up a chick and doing this to a chick, this is how I imagined it would be. Like, this wasn't very clinical. This is, a, this is like a, like a, a romantic, romantic, intimate thing. Now, maybe that's how it's supposed to look, and I just, I'm just laughing about it, but it just, it made me laugh so hard the way he was doing it. Well, and he even, like, he put his one hand on the guy's forehead and then his other hand, like, on his throat, and that one's not even necessary. That's just his kink. Yeah, I, I, just, he likes to do a little <laughs> bit of choking. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's it. I was laughing so hard. It just it made me laugh. So, um, back on uh, Tantalus, Kirk enters Helen's room and asks her what she thinks of the inmates at the facility. She's like, "Oh, you know, this could have waited till tomorrow." And he's like, "Well, I'm not waiting." So she asks. Oh, she says that she thinks that they're all happy and they're well adjusted. And he says that you know they're a little bit blank. And he says that he wants to go see the machine again. And Helen doesn't think that there's a reason to go see that. And he makes this kind of note about, uh, you know, how the good thing about being a captain is that he can ask for advice, but that he doesn't have to follow it, which is pretty solid. Uh, so he decides he's just going to go. Yeah. So he decides he's going to go anyway and he leaves and, you know, she has to go with him. And I thought at this point that it was really funny that, Kirk is now thinking that there's something really suspicious going on. And the person that McCoy sent to, you know, kind of act as him is now acting like Kirk was at the beginning of the episode where Kirk's like, Hey, yeah, he's kind of McCoy now. He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah something's going on. And it, she's it like, flips. no, there's nothing going on. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it flipped. But I think I think slowly but surely he started like Bones says something's going on. Bones is stuck on this. And I, let me go in here with the idea of like he, he's like uh, Kurt's like learning what's going on as he's down there and realizing right. things are not things aren't exactly what what they seem to be. Yeah. So um, back on the ship, Spock is still working on Van Gelden, who is in like a trans like trance like state, and he's explaining you know what was done to him by Doctor Adams. Uh, and then we go back to the planet where Kirk is going to try the neural neutralizer with Helen at the controls, because why the hell not? Like, obviously nothing bad's going to happen there. So he just trusts that, you know, she's not going to do any harm or any damage to him. So he sits in the chair and says that he's ready to go. And she turns on the machine at a minimum intensity for a few seconds. And then she turns it off and he's like, Hey, you know, what are we doing? I'm ready. And she explains that she already did it. And he's like, well, nothing happened that's really weird and she says well your face went blank while the machine was on so he says they're going to go ahead and do it again but wants her to try to give him like a harmless suggestion so she turns the machine on and tells him that he's hungry and then she turns the machine back off and you know he gets done he's like well when we're done here i'd like to go find a, a kitchen to raid somewhere he's like i got the munchies yeah so uh she's like she tells him that she she's the one that put that suggestion in his mind so he says that they're going to try again, and this time he wants her to use an unusual suggestion so that you know they can be sure, because, I mean, maybe he is just hungry. He doesn't know. So she turns the machine back on and starts to talk about the Christmas party, uh, saying that they danced and that they talked about the stars, and then she starts to tell him that it happened a different way than it really did and says that uh, he swept her off her feet and they and he took her to his cabin. And then this is where it moves to like kind of a dream state, so like he's you know, envisioning what she was talking about. Well, you know what she was fantasizing about. Yeah, like, so they go to this dream state, and they're in there, yeah. like, you know, they have this romance dialogue, and then they kiss, and I'm like, dude, she wrote a whole-ass romance novel about this encounter. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's been thinking about this one for a while. Yeah, another thing I want to clarify uh, that I noticed, whatever, is when they filmed that uh, dream scene, which was kind of interesting, they, um, it was, the outside was blurred. Yeah. It was like everything was kind of blurry and then like and they were kind of in the middle and like this dreamy type face. I don't know. Like sometimes they do really clever things with cameras on this on here where they clarify like dreams or clarify uh, certain scenes and they, and they film them a certain way so cleverly where you get right. where you get what's going on. So I thought it was really smart for them to really do that. That fuzz add the fuzz and the blurriness to it to make it. Yeah, it's that kind of classic dream sequence yeah, uh, effect. Like, yeah. And the thing about it is like this is early, what, 60s, 70s, early? So, like, uh, late 60s, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, it's like this is when that kind of thing started happening. Because you got to remember, before a lot of this stuff, there wasn't color TVs. It was black and white. Right, right. So, I think it's really, it's, I think it's really cool how they uh, do some film of the scenes, angles, things they do, and subtle things they do that because they don't have CGI. The subtle things they do to clarify that you're in a dream state. I think, like, this CGI isn't very good. So, I assume that's, I, like, I think it's really cool. What I think is interesting and it really has no bearing on the show is that like, you know, when we see this effect, we instantly realize that this is a dream state and not what's happening, you know, current time in the show. So I wonder what it is about our own minds where we don't have to have it explained to us. We just see that effect and we go, oh, okay, it's a dream. Like, that's just some weird, like, human psychology thing that uh, I think is I don't, fairly interesting. I don't think it's human psychology as much as it, it's been used so much time in our in our stuff now, though, that like it becomes part of 
you just pick it up. It just you know it's been used so much in other movies, other things, or whatever that your brain your brain goes, okay, that that's what's going on because this reason. Well, aren't memories in general foggy to begin with? Uh, I mean, some of mine, some of mine are pretty clear. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying like, aren't memories sometimes foggy when you're reflecting on oh, something yeah, in, term, in your own mind? The, the term uh, you you the term can somewhat foggy, see it, yeah. but it's a haze. Okay, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, the term the term foggy in memory in a way because it's hard to remember things that clearly. I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, I just wonder like how this was perceived like the very first time somebody saw the effect. If they if people just immediately recognize that you know it signifies that they're in a dream state. No, 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 no. The first person that know. saw that was like, my TV's broken. Damn it. Yeah, they're like, what the hell is this? Like, are my eyes screwed up or is my TV messed up? The the their kids like, hey, go fix the the bunny you know, ears. That's funny you mentioned that because I don't know. Yeah. Because growing up, growing up as a kid, I just when I saw um, I, I'm never getting so deep in this now. Wow. Yeah, it when just I made saw, sense though, right? Growing up, yeah, growing up as a kid, when I saw dream stuff in cartoons, I remember there being like a little squiggly line a lot of times, and it, and they're like, right. yeah, or whatever, and it, and then everything would be kind of cloudy, whatever. I don't know. I just kind of I didn't think about that before. How how something like camera camera the way camera is would just literally make you know it's a dream that quick. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. So, um, as none, nobody could have predicted, uh, Helen gets grabbed from behind while she's at the controls and Dr. Adams is suddenly at the controls of the machine and he turns up the intensity and implants in Kirk's mind that he's madly in love with Helen. And he says that, you know, you have to have her and that your pain's going to grow, you know, worse every second that you're not around and her. And she's like, no, don't do that. Yeah. She's like, no, please, please stop. Like she was well on her way to doing that anyway. She's like, what are you doing, you idiot? Like, I had you know, the whole novel written. I was about to do that in five seconds. You didn't have to interrupt me. Yeah. Yeah, like, Dr. <laughs> Adams is just making it super no, vague, and she's putting, no, like, whole see, memories he, he, in. He goes over the edge, though. He's like, you're madly in love. What do you got to have your cheat your life for? She was just trying to have a fantasy where they had a good time at the Christmas party, which was nah, just, you know. You, you give her another <laughs> five minutes, and he would have thought that he would have woke up thinking no, they were married. No. She wasn't she going would have built that a far. whole lifetime of memories no, for him. She, she pulls out like a, a like a big ass notebook of just all these memories. She she was still hot for him after that Christmas party. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm saying, man. Just a Christmas party. She was just trying to go in there, you know. Uh, I don't know. She do seemed little, pretty thirsty have, have for him. Yeah, it was a little bit of fantasy though. Just a little her fantasy. fantasy you can't tell me she stuff. had that. She hasn't daydreamed about that once or twice. Like she knew what she was doing. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that she didn't. You know. Yeah. So uh, the doctor uh, says, you know, that the pain gets worse whenever uh, Helen's not there. Wherever he, whenever Kirk's not around her, and uh, he says, but now she's gone, and he like cranks up the machine. So Kirk starts yelling for Helen not to go, and he says that he needs her. And she's just over there, like, oh yeah, <laughs> and. uh <laughs> Dr. Adams uh, makes Kirk drop his, tells him to drop his phaser on the floor, but Kirk kind of fights back. And Ad, Dr. Adams says that the pain is going to increase unless you, you know, Kirk obeys him. So Kirk drops his phaser, and then Dr. Adams tells him to drop his communicator as well. And Kirk uh, gets out his communicator, and he opens it, and he tries to call the Enterprise. But Dr. Adams turns up the machine, and then Kirk starts just like laughing like a maniac. And, uh, He's just like laughing uncontrollably. You know, this scene does show how strong will Kirk is. Yeah, incredibly strong willed. So a little bit later, Kirk wakes up in his room with Helen and uh, he starts telling her about uh, how he's loved her for all, you know, all these years. And she tries to get him to remember that, 
Adams has implanted, you know, all of these uh, emotions and feelings in Kirk's mind. And so he just snaps out of it instantly. He's just like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then he goes towards an air conditioning duct on the wall and asks Helen if she can get through the duct to the power supply to short circuit the security force field. That I was really upset was, by that. That for me was just, it was awkward, like, and weird to me because we know Kurt Strongwood. We get that. But why didn't he, he I wish he would have displayed the pain old dude had as he was trying to remember it or something. Yeah, he I, just snapped out of it immediately. He just snapped out of it. Yeah, and I, and I got it because Kurt is, you know, Kurt's Kurt. You know, he has super strong will, and, and I respect that. If they, but it just, the way they did it wasn't very good good for his character or or good yeah. for the story. Like, yeah. Said, oh, yeah. Like, they, they kind of like, oh, yeah, this machine's been doing this the whole time. It's struggling, but, like, he's not having the same issues. I, I wish they would have, like, just made it, just something, they could do just something so subtle in here, like, a, uh, like, he would just, him in pain trying to remember, him in pain, like, trying to get the memory out or something, and then he, he gets it out. Because they're, they're, Kurt does some good acting in this, like good parts. It's just particularly that that notion of him not having the pain to remember kind of stuck with me. It kind of st- stuck yeah, with me. Yeah, it, like it was it. just, he just, yeah, he kind of, uh, he just got over it immediately. Like, she's just yeah. like, hey, you know, that, you know, you got to snap out of that. That was something that Dr. Adams put in you. And he's like, oh, all right. <laughs> like, yeah, he's just fine yeah. with it. I would have liked to oh, oh, shit. Okay, I'm fine. I would have liked to seen her like maybe slap him across the face a few times, like, "Hey, you know, snap out of it." Right, like that, literally that anything. Been classic old school, but that would have worked for me too. Yeah, like just it, literally anything. Yeah, it, literally something. Just some kind of reference to just make Kurt Superman all of a sudden. Like you yeah. can't make Kurt, Kurt ain't Superman. Like he, he he's a Superman, but he ain't Superman. Like you know, so it's like it, it kind of it, it kind of uh, nullifies the whole first 40, 40 minutes of the thirty minutes of the show. In a way to me. Because if he can snap out that easy, why can't Odu snap out so easy? Unless they're saying he wasn't uh connected to a prolong, so the effects aren't that weren't that bad. If they would have said that later on, I'd have been like, oh, okay, but there's no reference right. to that at the moment. He just kind of snaps out of it. I don't get it. Besides that, maybe you yeah. could argue that Kirk has an almost iron will. Right. Yeah, I think that's kind of where they were going with this. I thing. think they were going for it, but you, you can give him an iron will without making him Superman. No, I agree yeah, with that. He, I mean, let him struggle a little. Like, let him overcome it, but make him struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it, make it, yeah, a slight struggle. That's all I'm asking for. A, a slight struggle. Yeah. So, uh, Helen says that she doesn't have any experience with hyperpower circuits, and Kirk says that, you know, if she touches the wrong line, then she's going to get electrocuted and she's going to die. And she says that that's uh, anything is better than, you know, going through Adam, Dr. Adam's treatment. And she just climbs in the vent, which, I mean, hey, good, good for her. Like, that's a fair point. And and that's a big ass vent, by the way. Oh, it's huge, yeah. It's air conditioning vent. They're uh you know, it's yeah. a prison. It's not hell. Jeez, they gotta have air <laughs> no, conditioning. Time too. Out. Okay. I, it's funny this, this thing because I recently uh had this thing where it said people what to say, uh things that movies trick people into thinking. Air vents are not big enough for people to crawl through. Yeah, but listen, these They're are future air vents on another planet. Yeah. Okay, stop. Stop it now. <laughs> it just happened to be happened to be the right size for her to crawl through. Why does the air vent need to be so big? Explain that to me. You can have a small air vent and still get the same amount of air out, it'll just come out harder. Like it's air. Think about it. Yeah. This I am gonna let it go because it's a classic thing to have the air yeah, vents you crawl through. I get it, yada yada yada. But yeah, it's a it's a classic thing over time. But I mean, it just she fit in there perfect. Kirk, could, it's a damn big. Kirk could have went through that, man. I, I yeah, thought that yeah, too. My Kirk, have. you could fit in there. Yeah, they could have went through there together. Yeah, but then they would have noticed he was missing immediately instead of like noticing she was missing later. Yeah. 
But that's when the the door does open and some security guards come to take Kirk. And he's like, oh, offer another treatment, are we? He just walks so, right on out. He does, he's like, all right, whatever. Yeah, I mean, he knows there's no point in fighting at this point. I mean, what are you going to do with those guys with the phasers? True. So uh, they go to the treatment room and Dr. Adams has the machine turned on and Kirk is sitting in the chair. And You know, you know, you know what's interesting about the chair? Is that there's no straps to hold them down. Yeah, and it's just like a recliner with no straps. Seriously? I didn't even notice that. Yeah, there's, there's nothing there holding him. I mean, he even gets up during oh, this scene. Oh, I, I, I assume once you once they cut the thing on, maybe just it's in your mind so much you can't move. It hurts so bad or but something. It, yeah. The, why Why would he say in the chair before it got turned on? Like, he could just got up and like, hey, I'm just going to walk away and look at the ground. Right. In this particular oh, yeah, instance, I feel like it's he doesn't go, go anywhere because he knows it wouldn't do any good. Like they could just phaser him and put him back in the chair. But the average patient, yeah, you, you sit him down, they could just stand back up. That or he was just trying to give Helen enough time to get to the room that she needed. Maybe, right, maybe yeah, he was confident well. enough in his, you know, his strong, you know, willed mind that like, oh, hey, I can endure this until she turns it off. Right. Yeah. So. Dr. Adams starts implanting the notion that uh, Kirk has to believe him and, and trust him. And then he explains that Van Gelder was on his hands and knees sobbing at that point in the treatment. So he's really impressed by uh, Kirk's ability to resist it. Just so you know, that's that subtle line. See, that line works for me to clarify some things. Like it's the, oh, he, the other guy was broken out sobbing and crying by then and Kirk has strong will. See, that little subtle line for me works for me because it shows you how much more you know how, but how, how much stronger his mind is than the other guy. Yeah, just like, just kind of re- like building up that yeah, iron will. Yeah, yeah, that that was smart. So like for them to do something that smart for that one line for me, and then do something so stupid earlier to make him not even have any effects from them earlier, I don't get it. Yeah, it just it is. So I just I don't know. Just do something smart right here earlier. I just I don't get it. But it just it's weird. It's weird writing. This is kind of weird writing to me. <laughs> So um, that uh, weird lady, uh, Lathy, comes back to report that Helen is missing. And so Dr. Adams cranks up the machine and asks uh, asks, uh, Kirk where Helen is, but he says that he doesn't know. So Adams turns the machine up even more and asks him again. And Kirk goes to stand up and he says that he doesn't know where she is. And then he just passes out on the floor. Uh, So meanwhile, uh, Helen has made her way into the power room. And then we go back to the Enterprise, and Spock is trying to get transported to the security force field, but they can't get him through. And then we go back to the planet where a security team is looking for Helen in the power room, but she manages to evade them because they were trained by the same people that trained the Enterprise security force. So they just they don't know how to look for anything. Dude, security guards in the future are just hey. terrible, apparently. They're awful, yeah. Yep. They're really just keep bad. keep it going, keep it going. Yeah, so... Uh, Helen evades them and she goes to turn off the master power switch just as a guard grabs a hold of her from behind. And then Kirk wakes up and he knocks out uh, Dr. Adams and one of the security guards that was there. So the security guard that was fighting Helen throws her to the ground and he turns the power back on and then he goes to pick her up and she kicks him into the master power and just electrocutes the shit out of this guy. Which I was actually, I was pretty impressed by yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, what a what an awesome uh, scene! And I got to clarify something else I don't I don't want to mention before I forget later on. This may be the first time that we saw Kurt saved by the female uh, character in this episode for me. Maybe earlier it happened an episode I missed, but like this is ve- it, it's very interesting because like 
strong female characters weren't really a thing back then. It was always like damsel in distress or stuff like that, and then the then the male protagonist would try to save them. Right. Like for for even for a, a small TV show to do something like this is like like a five five minutes or so where he's in trouble and without her he's done. Like for us the nowadays it's nothing. For before the time, that's a really big deal. Well, and I said I was well done on top a, of it. Yeah. Yeah, like like for on the time that's a really big deal to have a female character try to save the captain of the ship. Like I know it's not I know it's not like a, something that's well known or whatever. I just thought that it was really cool for the time. Like I know cool for the times where it's a female character. I mean they still made her sexual and sexualized her. Like kind of had the whole romance thing, but they put in everything back then. But at the same time, they made her strong. Like even though she was that way, she's also strong, and she was there. She was able to save Kurt, and without Kurt, she wouldn't. Well, there, there's nothing right. wrong with your character to be sexy and strong. Yeah, which I mean, back then, just like yeah. he's saying, wasn't really a thing. But I think you're right. I think this is the first time that he's had like female protagonist uh, help, like not help, but you know, really save him. Because without her, you know, he's he's screwed. Yeah, without her, he's screwed. Yeah. So it's like they gave her an. Act- I mean, it was like a kicker and a little fight, but they gave her an action scene. They, they without her, the everybody saved. She does everything. Like Kurt didn't do it. Like Kurt, this is not a Kurt uh, episode. Honestly, this is a her episode. Yeah. And I'm not sure if she's in the show anymore because I, I after I never heard of her before. But like. This is like this is an episode where she technically I feel like she's the main character and Kurt is the co-character for this episode if you look at it that way. Yeah. Because like it's her her story, her journey, her, her skepticism, her her believing in Kurt, uh her her saving everybody and Kurt just kind of Kurt has been there cuz honestly Kurt has made every mistake in on this thing. Kurt has messed up this whole entire episode. Yeah, oh yeah. He's been, mistakes. He's been very uh, not like himself this whole whole thing. No, like we, we can exactly. say bones for and, that and, though. Yeah, yeah. Kurt, Kurt has truly has been nothing but made mistakes this whole time. He put himself in bad situations the whole time, and it's funny that she is the one to save him out of that situation. I find it so like I'm, you know, I am about writing and movies. I watch a lot of stuff. I find it so interesting in general with the fact that like we're watching a Star Trek show, the main character is there, but somehow the main character he's a secondary character because she's is the biggest. She's she's more important in this episode than he is, right? In a way, yeah. So we go back to the Enterprise uh, in the transporter room, and a technician's telling Spock that the force field is down and that they can send him to the source of the interruption. So Spock tells them to get some security people ready, and then he goes to the transporter alone and gets beamed down. So I'm guessing that, like, while the power was just kind of up and down, or maybe, like, while that guy was getting shocked, there was, like, a flicker, and they're like, hey, you know, we can get you through, but we got to go now. So he just decides to go by himself. So Helen escapes the power room through the vent that she came in through just as Spock is getting beamed in. And Spock goes to this little box, and I don't even know what he does. Like, I, I watch this, and he kind of messes with the outside of the box and, like, kind of flips this little switch thing. And then he calls the Enterprise and tells them that the force field is eliminated. I'm like, that's it's like a super tiny little switch for something as important as your uh, force field, like your security force field. And it's not even in anything. It's on the outside of the box, and there's nothing, like, guarding anybody from just going there and flipping it. Well, it looks like he rip, ripped, like, yeah. a lock off before he opened it up. Yeah, but like other than that, it was just a quick little. Well, no, they probably didn't think there was gonna be a Vulcan on there with super strength. Yeah, but like it's even in a plastic box, like a fire axe could get through that. 
Like you could hit it with something hard, like a flashlight, for a little bit and get through that thing. I just thought, is it a plastic box or is it, or is it a metal box with wires and circuits in it? I think it was just a plastic box. I thought maybe it was a metal box myself. Maybe I, I don't know. See, I thought it was I'll a metal box also. See. Okay, I'll have to go back and look again. Maybe it's one of those things where my uh, contrast and my color on my monitor that I watch this on is uh, it's a little darker, so it's hard for me to see some stuff like that. So maybe you guys are right. I, I just. My, my, well, my mind just kind of assumed it was metal because it was on the wall. And why would you have a plastic box on a wall or something like that? I, thought, I assumed it was like a metal, a metal box of wires and stuff. And I kind of assumed it was. Yeah, I mean that could be the case. I just I thought that it just looked like super flimsy and and not at all well guarded for something that is so important. Yeah, but I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So he turns that off, and then uh, he goes and flips on the master power switch, and the machine turns back on with Doctor Adams under it. So at this point. Kirk is making his way back to the room to help Helen get out of the vent. And then uh, he kisses her as Spock enters the room. And Spock kind of gives him this look like, whoa, what's going on here? Maybe I should come back later. Yeah, no kidding. He he, he also has a little smirk on his face. He's like, oh, yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, he, he's loving the events of this episode. So uh, she pushes uh, Kirk off and says that, you know, it's not right. And that Dr. Adams, you know, may put that suggestion to him to do that. And then... Uh, Kirk is like, oh man, Dr. Adams. Like I left him laying on the floor in the treat room, treatment room. And he goes running back to the treatment room. And we get to see in the hallway that uh, the Enterprise security team is at work securing the building. So they do at least get to do something right. This, you know, for yeah, once they, yeah, they, they showed up. They showed up. So in the treatment room, uh, Kirk turns off the machine and McCoy goes to Adams, who's laying on the floor. And he says that uh, Adams is dead. So Helen says that the machine wasn't turned on high enough to kill anybody. And Kirk mentions that Adams was all by himself and that, you know, his mind was being emptied even without even anybody there to torment him, uh, you know, there to keep him company. That makes that makes me want to ask, do you think he died a horrible death or do you think it was peaceful? Um, I would think that if the machine interrupts your brainwaves and that you're basically like a blank slate, I can't imagine it was too bad, right? Like, he wouldn't have been thinking anything, so he probably wouldn't have been feeling anything. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know what? That, that's funny. I never even what, thought Would the that. absolute void of nothingness drive you crazy? Yeah, but uh, but what? The, how bad was the pain for him to get to that level, though? It didn't seem that bad, maybe, so maybe right. Like, is he aware that there's nothing in his brain at that point? Like, he just got knocked out by Kirk, and he's just laying there having this machine interrupting his brainwave. So, like, I would think that mm. he's not thinking anything, that his mind is just basically a blank slate with nothing going on in there. As long as the okay. machine's running, but I mean, obviously, you know, that's just my interpretation, my my feelings about it. Yeah, I think we all have it. I think we all have a different. We all have a kind of different, a good idea, but kind of differently, you know. So yeah. So a little bit of time passes, and we're back on the Enterprise, and Kirk enters the bridge, and Uhura tells him that there was a message from the colony, and Spock says that it was uh, from Van Gelder, and he said that the treatment room and its equipment were all dismantled and destroyed. So Kirk sits in his captain's chair and McCoy comes up to him and kind of muses that it's hard to believe that a guy could die of loneliness. And Kirk responds, but not when you've sat in that room. And he seems like just visibly like shaken up. Like he probably shouldn't be in the captain's chair. He should probably be like a therapist or getting treatment for like PTSD after that. Let, let Spock take control for a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd want him in the captain's chair, but uh, they go to warp. I don't remember the number and I didn't write it down and they just oh, was go on to the next adventure. That's what I was thinking it was. Yeah, Warp 1. And then they just go on to their next adventure. And it was kind of a one thing 
and I should save this, but I'll just get out of the way now. One thing ruined this end for me. Like, I was perfectly okay with the somber, very toned down, like, that sucked. It was horrific. Like, let's just go. But then they all had to do that. Everything's fine smirk at the end. And I'm like, oh, that was so unnecessary. Like, I, re- I wish they would have just left it with everybody just being, you know, feeling kind of down. Yeah, because you want stuff like that to kind of carry over. You you want to see, like, the scars of their adventures. They kind of build up knowing that, hey, they've been through some stuff. Yeah, and I really just don't want All's Well That Ends Well every episode. Yeah, but I think the smirk at the end of the episode is they, they I think they have a thing where, so they went to, they would, whatever the end of the episode, they have a, they, they always had a smirk at the end, like, okay, we made it. Like, whatever that was, we made it. So it's like, it's like acknowledgement to, he does a lot to Spock. Sometimes the moment where they do at, at the end, they'll say something to each other, like energize, whatever, have a moment, whatever, like, hey, we made it. That's that's our moment to okay. We made it. Let's not dwell on it. We made it. Let's move on. What what happened to the yeah? And, that, and that's been happening a lot through all the episodes. What what happened to the prisoner on board the uh, the ship? What they do with him? The Van Gogh. He remember he's he's the doctor. Yeah, he's the guy that remember called said, them and said that he destroyed the, the room. That he destroyed the room. So I'm assuming that without oh, even okay. telling us, he missed, went back I down must and got that his mind that he went back down. Yeah. Well, you don't know. You just later on. He later on they say. uh Dr. Van blah, 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 Van Wilder, whatever his name is, uh, has uh, told us that they have destroyed the equipment. Yeah. Took it apart or whatever. And he, yeah, so it's definitely, they must have been down there and got his his mind back, unwiped or whatever, and got his stuff back. Yeah, and I was, um, I was very okay with uh, ending this without, because every episode so far has ended on like just kind of a corny little joke, and I was very okay with this one not ending on a joke, and then they had to do that stupid little smirk that kind of ruined smirk. it for me. Yeah, see, you see it as a smirk. I see it as an acknowledgement. Hey, we made it. Let's move on. Yeah, we made it. Let's take a moment. Happy. Let's move on. So it's kind of whichever way you want to take the uh, take it. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, you want to give us your final thoughts on this episode? Overall, I I really enjoyed the episode. Obviously, we've pointed out some of our complaints about the episode, especially early on, and I think they're very fair to say that you know the security is just terrible. But overall, I enjoyed the episode. Uh, it might be the best one so far, in my opinion, that we've watched so far. So it did live up to the uh, the hype then that we kind of built up last time. I thought it did. Um, personally, I, I also I really enjoyed the episode, and I'm I'm willing to forgive the stupid stuff like with the uh, security guards and and all that. Uh, I liked the kind of like the underlying tone of like you know how they treat their prisoners and how they're you know, experimenting on them and and how that's not cool and all of that. Um, yeah, I can, I can understand why people think that this is a, a must watch episode. I think it's, it was very well written despite the fact that Kirk seems not like Kirk at all. Like he was a little slower on the uptake on this one, but I really liked, um, you know, the stuff between him and McCoy and I really liked Spock just sitting off to the side, you know, just having fun uh, watching them, you know, kind of go at it, even though he's been kind of mostly absent for the last few episodes. We we definitely need some more Spock. But uh, yeah, I was really happy with this one. I, I would say this is my favorite episode so far. All right. So I really liked. I really liked the sound the laser made when it went off. It's very sci fi. I like the CGI's this episode. I like the I like the whole treatment room itself. And the security guard thing was kind of funny. You know, it is what it is. I, I mean, it put me on 12 because I noticed that immediately when I saw it, I thought, yo, I can't believe you're about to do this. And I don't know. I just noticed it. I did. Uh, the things I like about this episode, I, I talked about a little bit earlier. 
was the female protagonist being the hero. And and it's it's weird because I don't think we ever see this character again. I'm not sure I didn't look it up or not, but she looks like she's a minor character they added for this episode. Maybe we'll see her some more. If, if we have not more, I like her. Like, she's by far my favorite fe- female in any episode we've seen so far. I like her character. She's able to balance the sexiness and strength together. I thought it was really cool. Right. Well, I just want to say, hey, guys, uh, if you guys follow our Twitter and stuff like that, and you guys want to go in there and reply and say say your thoughts about this, by the way, hey, go ahead and put, go ahead and put it up there. And, of course, that Twitter is at WWST underscore podcast. Uh, you can also join a discussion or questions, comments through email at WWSTpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast uh, platforms, including YouTube. And yeah, you know, if you like the the podcast or you didn't like it, you're kind of in between, uh, just leave us a rating, leave us a comment, you know, let us know. Um, the next episode that we're going to cover is going to be season one, episode 10, the Corbamite maneuver. And this is another one that I've seen referenced quite a bit on Twitter. So another one that I'm looking forward to and actually kind of looking ahead at just the titles of our, our next few episodes, we're really hitting a batch here that people are really calling like the best of, uh, the original series not to like discourage yeah. from you know the other seasons and things but this, these next few coming up are some that i'm really looking forward to Same. um but unless you guys have anything else uh that's gonna be it for me for this time all right later guys sayonara <laughs>